All right, this is a special episode of Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Our guest today is Dr. Vladimir Zelenko. Uh, perhaps many of you remember him from the help he gave uh, President Trump when the president uh, was battling COVID. Uh, Dr. Zelenko, uh, when I had the Omicron variant, uh, helped me uh, prescribe a treatment that worked for me. I have a great deal of respect for uh, Dr. Zelenko, but I do want to warn you before listening to uh, this interview, he has some opinions about COVID and the treatment or whatever that I think many experts, many people in the CDC, uh, many people would uh, strongly disagree with. I am not someone that uh, wants to censor anyone, uh, but I did want to offer a warning that I think some of the things he says, the CDC and many health experts would strongly disagree with. So neither myself nor the Blaze, uh, we don't fully endorse uh, the comments of Dr. Zelenko, but he is someone I respect and someone I think is a man of God. And I think he's someone we should all listen to, then do our own research and figure out what you think about his opinions and the opinions of others. All right, enjoy the show. Dr. Zelenko is a man of great passion. He's someone I respect a lot, and I thank God for placing him in my life. All right, welcome. Welcome to a uh, special uh, interview that I really have been looking forward to. Uh, we're going to be joined by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, medical doctor in, in New York. He's a COVID expert. He helped out uh, President Trump uh, during the early stages of the COVID coronavirus pandemic. He wrote an open letter uh, to President Trump saying that he had a supplement treatment of vitamins and, and things and things you could take that could help you treat COVID in the early stages. And he and President Trump hit it off. And the next thing you know, <laughs> Vladimir Zelenko went from respected doctor to someone who is a conspiracy theorist and a misinformation person and whatever. I know him and believe him to be a great American. Uh, who is led by his faith and, and just wants to help people. He certainly helped me uh, about a month, month and a half ago when I had uh, the, COVID, the COVID virus, Omicron. Uh, I've been taking the Z-Stack, his little special supplement uh, for at least the past month now. And it has certainly seemed to help me. And so, uh, Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, I'm, I'm just very honored and appreciative of you taking the time to join me and our audience. And, and I, I want to know what life has been like for you since reaching out to President Trump and, and seeing how the media, how you went from just a respected doctor to this controversial figure now. First of all, thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad you're feel, feeling better. Um, my life got upside down for good and for bad. Um, I went from being virtually uh, 
you know, I was known in my community, but that was about it, to being on the global stage. Uh, and then I was thrown into the deep end of the pool to learn how to swim with the media sharks. And uh, I got eviscerated. And, uh, you know, I'll give you an example. My children call me uh, freaking out and crying that asking me, Daddy, are you in jail? And I'm like, not that I know. Um, apparently, the Washington Post published a, a, a lie, uh, an article that I was under the investigation under the Department of Justice for fraud. And that was uh, like two years ago almost. And since then, not even one, no one ever contacted me. But my children got scarred from that. So I'm just giving you one example of how uh, unsettling and, and difficult it has been for my family learning how to deal with this type of uh, media scrutiny, publicity, fame. Dr. Z, why do you think, I mean, you're, you're promoting early treatment of a virus that has killed a lot of people and you're giving people alternative early methods of treating this. Why are you in the crosshairs? Why are you being painted as some, I don't almost evil figure when you're really just trying to give people alternative ways of, of approaching something that's been pretty harmful here in America? So first of all, I'm not sure if you know, two days ago, the CDC changed its recommendations and now is recommending the treatment of COVID within the first few days of the onset of symptoms which has been the narrative that I've been advising for the last two years. So the, qu the question should be different. Why did common sense measures that the CDC now acknowledges to be true, why were those suppressed and vilified? I'm just, a, I'm just one individual, but why did the American public have to uh, endure carnage. Uh, let me give you the facts so you should know. Um, initially, I was advocating for the use of hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin together with um, vitamin C and zinc and D. Uh, the data showed, and there are dozens of peer-reviewed papers now attesting to what I'm saying, that there was an 85% reduction in death if you treated COVID in the first few days. Meaning, just process this, out of 900,000 dead Americans, we could have prevented 760,000 from even going to the hospital. Mm. Okay, so that does lead to a natural question of why did the CDC and the government, why were they so hesitant to such common sense measures. And, and maybe that's a problem with the whole medical establishment is we're never into preventative measures or early measures. We're, we're, we always seem to wanna promote the catastrophe measures or let's get to catastrophe before we ever take the proper steps. Why is that? So before I answer that question, I wanna ask your listeners to really not believe a word I'm saying. 
don't make the same mistake with me as you made with, with the government. Blind faith belongs to God, not to man. And so what I'm suggesting is listen to what I'm saying and then investigate. Do your own research. Due diligence. I'm going to give you specific information and then come to your own conclusions. Please. I'm only one man and I may be wrong. Although I don't think I'm wrong, but it's still, you have the power of free will and choice and you should use it. Um, I, and everything I say, I can document and I have documented. COVID 19 is an artificially made weapon of mass destruction. And we have 20 years of patent evidence and 20 years of peer-reviewed paper publications to document what I just said. COVID-19 was not a natural virus. It was a bat virus that was manipulated over the years to be able to infect human lung tissue and even more so destroy human lung tissue and cause blood clots. And so this was a weapon of mass destruction funded at every stage by the NIH. So the question should be to the NIH, why were our tax dollars used to finance the crea creation of a weapon of mass destruction? And I'll actually give you a partial answer but from a different country. In Australia, in the province of New South Wales, any doctor that prescribes hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin for COVID-19 gets sentenced to jail for six months. And they tell you why. Because it encourages a vaccine hesitancy. In other words, they're not denying it works. On the contrary, they're admitting it works. But because it works and it helps people, many patients are choosing to take the treatment and not take the vaccine. That's what they call vaccine hesitancy. And for that reason, doctors are being incarcerated. So anything that gave people hope, whether it was discovery of hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, or early treatment in the first initially was immediately vilified. Access to, I'll give you an example, um, March 27th, 2020, uh, Governor Cuomo issued an executive order that pharmacies were not allowed to dispense hydroxychloroquine. That was a direct attack against my patients and me because I was the only one in the state doing it. And so I had a treatment, which I had informed President Trump about, uh, that was working, and then access to a key component was obstructed, and my patients started to die again. Just imagine the feeling. And so I had to improvise. And I did research, and on the NIH server, of all places, I found another substance called quercetin, together with vitamin C, did the same exact thing as hydroxychloroquine. Hydroxychloroquine and quercetin delivered zinc into the cell. It's like a gun and a bullet. And it's the zinc inside the cell that stopped the virus from 
making copies of its genetic material. That's the scientific basis of the treatment. And so what I did, and oh, so I didn't know what quercetin was. So I Googled it, and I, and I saw it was a bioflavonoid, a derivative of onions and apple peels. And more importantly, it was over-the-counter. And I said to myself, oh, oh my God, I, I just found a cure to tyranny. There are two reasons why people die from COVID. It's because of doctors that delay treatment and allow for complications to start, like lung damage, and tyrannical government that blocks access to life-saving medications. Other than that, there's no reason to die from COVID. So now I, I could say, listen, go to the vitamin shop, get quercetin, vitamin C, vitamin D, and zinc, use it in the right way, and you'll be fine. And I open-sourced all that information. I just spammed the internet with it. And it did help some people, but the most common response I got was, we can't find everything in one place, or we can't put the puzzle together, or there's too many options. How do, how do we know which vitamin C, which vitamin D, and so on? And so what happened was people were not getting the treatment in the right time frame. This is key. They were missing that crucial window of the first few days where if you treat the virus, you could eliminate it and prevent all the complications. So I was asked by people to make it easier for them and, and, put, and put it in one bottle. That's how Z-Stack was born. It was a gift from God. I put, basically took all the ingredients, put it all in one pill, um, made sure it's made to the highest standards. I put my name on it and I made it available to people. And, and now people had it in reserve in advance or, or they were able to get it within a day or two if they needed it. And that made all the difference. Dr. Z, I, I have to ask you this question just from my own personal conversation with you and again today. Uh, your faith in God seems to be play a role in why you haven't backed down, you've remained brave and strong, and you've done what you believe is the right thing. Am I right in that, that you're drawing on your faith in God and that's what's driving your behavior? Let me share with you um, a personal story that happened to me in the last four years. Um, four years ago, I was diagnosed with terminal cancer, uh, something called pulmonary artery sarcoma, extremely rare, no one knows about it. There's 10 cases a year found, uh, usually at autopsy. In my case, I had trouble breathing. Um, the doctors thought I had a blood clot. Um, I was put on blood thinning medication. It didn't work. I ended up coughing up. I was a, a lot of blood. I was drowning in my own blood. I had emergency surgery to open my open heart surgery to open the chest to remove the blood clot. When they opened my chest and the pulmonary artery, they saw that it wasn't a blood clot. That it was a pulmonary artery sarcoma. Uh, this rare cancer, and that it had destroyed my right lung. And so they removed my right lung, had to reconstruct my pulmonary artery. So, so think about this. I went to sleep to surgery thinking I'm having a blood clot removed. I wake up three days later told I have terminal cancer and I'm missing a lung. Um, 
you know, I'm a father of eight children. So just all these different emotions I, I went through. And then there was no treatment because it's so rare. There was no, no one knew how to approach it. And so I did my own research. I, I, uh, I had skin in the game, you know what I'm saying? I, uh, I, and I found something that had some hope. And I decided, made a note to myself that when I go see the oncologist, I'm going to ask the oncologist about this treatment. So I went to um, Columbia, Dr. Gary Schwartz, and I said to him, you know, are you familiar with this drug? It was called Olera. He said to me, you know, I invented that drug. The paper that I read was his paper. So I said, listen, you're, you're the person on the planet that I need to talk to. And we, he agreed, and we structured a treatment plan. I basically was the first in the world to, to take this drug in this context. And, and then I was pretty good for two years, and it came back, and I needed another open-heart surgery. Um, I went through three years of chemo, radiation. So I've been through a lot, but there, there were two things that I learned from my own personal medical problems, which very much tie into your question. Number one, if there's no answer, go find one. When COVID arrived in my community, and I'm, I found myself in the epicenter of the largest outbreak in America, with no treatment. So I was already psychologically predisposed to go find the treatment. And something incredible happened to me when I thought I was dying. Um, I actually even wrote a, a long letter to my children saying goodbye and sharing with them, uh, letting them know who their father was and how I, what I wished for them. It eventually became a book because uh, it was so moving. Um, but one thing happened to me it was I, I stopped being afraid of people. I, I really felt like I'm going to be meeting God soon. And that's a very surreal experience when you really believe it. And so you stop worrying about everything and just begin to do a, uh, an accounting of your life things that that weren't so good and, and try to repent and, and, you know, fix up your relationship with God and with other people that you've maybe wronged. Uh, and then when I didn't die, thank God, but the lack of being afraid of people stayed with me. So the way I see it was that God had put me through like Navy SEAL training in a sense to prepare me for this moment in history where I had to discover an approach that works and by doing so stepped on the toes of the most lethal animals on the planet because my work threatens the pharmaceutical industry, it threatened politicians and it threatens the global agenda because the whole point of COVID-19 is to induce global fear, isolation, which leads to psychological damage to millions of people, mass psychosis, let's say, and then use that state of mind to coerce them into taking um, a vaccine that is clearly medically unnecessary, 
is extremely dangerous and it doesn't even work. And so to analyze why, what's the agenda here? Um, I don't know how much time we have, but I can I can begin to do that for you. Plenty. All right. So we got all the time you need. Okay. And everything I say, I have a I have documentation for it, and people can just look it up. So in 2015, uh, Bill Gates gave a TED lecture, and and he said that the greatest risk to humanity is global warming, and so we need to reduce carbon emissions. And the most efficient way to do that is to reduce the world population from 10 to 15 percent through the use of vaccines. It's a matter of record. Just just Google it. You'll see. The same Bill Gates in 2020 said seven million, I'm sorry, seven billion people need to be vaccinated. So I'm going to ask a rhetorical question: Why would I take a vaccine for my health that's being financed? and promoted by someone who wants to uh, reduce the world population. Okay, next point. Uh, Klaus Schwab, who is the head of the World Economic Forum, gave a very strange interview in 2016. And we have that video. And in it, he said something bizarre. That within 10 years, by 2026, seven billion people will be tagged with a digital identifier. There's a few more puzzle pieces that I, I need to give you to help you understand the picture. Uh, the stated agenda of the World Economic Forum on their website, which is now the uh, agenda of the United Nations, and the first stated agenda is that America will no longer be dominant and a few global powers will govern the world. According to the Congressional Budget Office, Medicare will become insolvent in 2026. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Klaus Schwab said, that by 2026, 7 billion people will be tagged with a digital identifier? Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that when Medicare becomes insolvent, that it's going to have global economic consequences. All the economies are intertwined. It's going to send tsunamis of chaos, like the housing crash in 2008, but much more so. Now, there's two patents you must know about. In August 31st, 2021, United States Patent Office granted a patent that describes technology that's already in the vaccines. It's a 50-page patent describing nanotechnology of what already exists in these vaccines. That it has a sensor to measure biometric data, meaning your your heart rate, your respiratory rate, and your temperature. But more importantly, it could transmit that data with your location to a third party. Now, before I'm called a conspiracy theorist, I'll give you the patent number, let people do their due diligence. I've been challenging people for a year now to do this. Read through the patent, understand the technology, and then come and contradict me or debate with me. Maybe I made a mistake, but no one has taken me up on this challenge. And the only people 
that have labeled me a conspiracy theorist are those that didn't even look into the patent. So, so I, I don't take that seriously. Now, there's another patent owned by Microsoft, and this one I remember by heart. It's an international patent, WO 2020-060606. You can't make this stuff up. And this patent describes the linkage of biometric data transmission to cryptocurrency. Okay, now let me, we're almost there. Let's look at China. China's a good indicator of what's to come. The Chinese Communist Party controls the Chinese Central Bank. The Chinese Central Bank issued a cryptocurrency called the Digital Yuan. After that, they made illegal all other cryptocurrencies. So now in China, there's only one way to transact, to buy bread, let's say. And then they linked a social credit score system to the use of cryptocurrency. So in other words, if they don't like what you say, they can restrict your ability to transact. They don't have to put you in a gulag or put a bullet in your head. They can just shut off your ability to buy food. So it's a control mechanism. Now, if you extrapolate that to what's coming globally, there is gonna be a huge economic destabilization around 2026. Oh, by the way, uh, I'm gonna ask another question. How do you get 7 billion people to willingly take, get injected with a digital tracking device? How about you manufacture, create a bioweapon called COVID-19? You scare the hell out of the whole world, cause people to isolate themselves from the people they love, put a face diaper on them, um, damage them psychologically, and then coerce, threaten to fire them, threaten to expel them from school, ostracize them, basically coerce. And at this point, they've gotten, I think, almost 4 billion people to be inoculated with something that, according to patent evidence, has digital tracking um, technology. See, that is why anything that gave people hope was immediately vilified because it was never about treating COVID-19. It was always about uh, preventing vaccine hesitancy. And so in 2026, when there is gonna be a collapse, the end result will be the death of fiat currency and a one world global cryptocurrency system that's controlled by a few global powers like the state of gold, the World Economic Forum. And in order to participate in this cryptocurrency-based system, you will need to be a transmitter of biometric data. So, for example, every home will have a scanner, basically. Forget about Apple Pay or credit cards or, or paper money. All you have to do is scan your hand and you get your bread delivered. Now, what's wrong with that? Well. What if I don't want to be inoculated with a, uh, a digital tracking device? What if I don't, I don't want my location to be known 24 seven by a few global powers? Well, then I'll be ex excluded from the ability to participate in global finance. I'm sure there'll be a black market, but officially 
I won't be able to go to the supermarket and buy bread. And what if the government doesn't like what I say? It just happened. They could just restrict or turn off my accounts, my ability to transact. The Christian faith would be familiar with this concept. It's called the mark of the beast. What this is, is a movement towards global enslavement um, to a few global powers, which are basically um, sociopaths, uh, the uber-rich sociopaths and, and corrupt governments. And there's a reason why they're doing this, because we've now reached a collision point of two systems of thought. One system says that we're made in the image of God, and if we're made in the image of God, we have human rights. And if we have human rights, then it's not in anyone's purview to decide how many of us belong on the planet and how long we should live and who should be free. That's God's department. Now, there is another system of thought. Um, you could say it's based on Darwinism or or eugenics of, of Galton, which basically says that we've evolved from monkeys um, or whatever. Our, we're no different than animals. And the rules that govern humanity are the survival of the fittest. And those on top of the food chain dictate what happens to everyone else. And but I'll tell you a joke. Uh, a child goes to his mother and, and asks, where do we come from? So the mother says, well, we're made in the image of God. Then the child goes to his father and says, where, where do we come from? He says, well, we evolved from monkeys. So he's all confused. So he goes back to the mother uh, and asks, how do you resolve this? So the mother says, it's not a problem. That's my side of the family. That's his side of the family. But anyway, um, th but that's reality. That's how people, those are the system. Now, um, if this philosophy seems familiar is because it inevitably devolves into three categories of people. There's the superhuman, like Nietzsche would say, the ubermensch, the, the human, the mensch, and the subhuman, the untermensch. That's the Nazi ideology. They believed they were the ubermensch and the superhumans, uh, descendants of Aryan gods. They believed the Anglo-Saxons were the humans who, who were meant to be enslaved and serve them. And the subhumans, which I belong to, and gypsies and Slavs and handicapped people and those that politically didn't uh, agree with them had it be vaporized into dust. That was only 80 years ago. Now, this philosophy did not go away. It went to sleep, but it's resurfaced now. But interestingly enough, it's not anti-Semitic. <laughs> what it is, is there's a group of sociopaths that believe that they've evolved to a higher level of consciousness. And as such, are entitled to dictate what happens to the rest of us. In my opinion, they've devolved into the pagans of yesteryear. And these people do not believe in God. And so if you ever heard of the term transhumanism or human 2.0, so what, what they're actively doing, um, you can look at Ray Kurzweil, the famous one, or um, someone named Tuval Noah Harari, who's Obama's favorite author. What they talk about is developing technology, inorganic life, 
where they could transfer their consciousness into. In other words, they want immortality. They don't believe in life after death. So this life is everything. They know that their body can't live more than whatever, 100 years. So they're creating platforms through which they can transfer their consciousness into. This is not science fiction. This is what they're actively pursuing. And so, um, by the way, if you listen to the words of Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates, what they've said, as a matter of public record, that these vaccines change who you are. And they go on to explain that they have gene editing properties that enables the manipulation of the human genetic genome into a more evolved intelligent design. In other words, the human 1.0 version, the God version, you know, when we say we're made in the image of God, what does that mean? In my opinion, it means that God's imprint is in our genetic code, determines who we are. And I wouldn't give Bill Gates the password to my email. Why would I give him access to my genetic code? But this is exactly what these people are doing. And so there's something called Casper, uh, CRISP, I'm sorry, CRISPR-Cas9 technology. Um, it's um, gene splicing or gene editing technology. Uh, what, what it enables us to do is to precisely cut out a piece of genetic code of our choosing and then splice in, like cut and paste basically, another code of our choosing. And so these vaccines, the mRNA platform has been proven that it's a platform that could de deliver CRISPR-Cas9 technology. There is gene editing technology in these vaccines. These are not my words, these are the words of Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. And so what they're really doing, and this is the arrogance and the pagan idolatrous way of thinking, they believe that human intelligent design is more sophisticated. Well, they don't even believe in the God intelligent design, but that's what they're saying, that they could take a human being and mutate them into a higher level of, of evolve them into a higher level of being. It's a desecration of everything that is holy. It's, it's a perversion of the knowledge of God. If you notice, any totalitarian regime always gets rid of houses of worship and suppresses religion. And there's a reason. Because if I bow down to God, I will not bow down to tyrants. So this is a war... This is a war for the soul of humanity. You know, I'm going to give you some of my own commentary or opinion. In the last 50 years or more, probably, humanity has made a series of really bad decisions. We've normalized the slaughter of the unborn. We've desecrated marriage, the sanctity of marriage. We've desecrated what gender roles are. We've normalized debauchery. You know, if 
the current government had its way, my four-year-old daughter would be sharing a bathroom with a 30-year-old man who thinks he's a woman. Or we would have transvestites read stories to six-year-olds. These things have happened. It's not conjecture. And so what do we expect? You know, this country is in God we trust. We, you know, in the Bible it talks about two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were destroyed. So there's a whole analysis, why were they destroyed? And most people say because of immorality. But that's not true, because the whole world was immoral. What was unique about them? And so what, the answer is they codified immorality into the law of the land. They made it the law. They normalized it. They said to God, we don't want your law. We're going to create our own laws. That's exactly what I've seen happen in this country. And so at this point, I think we're being given a gift from God. Every human being is being given a, a binary choice. And here's the choice. Who are you going to bow down to? You're going to bow down to your creator who makes you every instant of time out of love, who protects you, who gives you fortitude, resilience, strength, who gives you, if you ask, the ability to deal with the unknown and the fears? Or are you going to bow down to sociopathic oligarchs, corrupt governments, and these golden calves of these vaccines and false promises? That is the choice that is being given to every individual. And the reason why I do these interviews is because there's a race here against time. One camp is a race to enslave us. Another is the awakening of human consciousness to understand what is really happening so that enough of us could rise up with uh, resistance, civil disobedience, nonviolent. We can say no to the mandates, say no to the masks, say no to the poison death shot. Don't is isolate yourself from the people you love. Take your kids out of these pagan schools who are destroying the souls of, our, of the next generation. Educate them on Judeo-Christian values at home or with like-minded parents. Resist. You know, we have some degree of freedom, but that was paid for by our grandparents. They stormed the beaches of Normandy and confronted fascism. The question is, will our children be free? The answer is, are we ready to sacrifice now? We, me and you. What are we doing? And so I'm, I'm ready to give up my life for this. And I'll tell you why. Um, you know, what's the difference if I live 20 years, 50 years, 100 years? In relation to the infinite, it's all insignificant. But the beauty of finite existence is that we have consciousness and we have free choice. And God gives us the ability to make certain choices so that we can develop a relationship with the eternal, with the infinite, while living in a finite existence. And so I would not sacrifice one instant or one dimension of my relationship with God 
for a few moments of comfort or, or pleasure or security in this world. I'd rather sacrifice the present so I have a future. I'm not going to sacrifice my future so that I have some conveniences in the present. And so we need to send the right example to the next generation and to, even to us. We need to do what's right, not what's easy. Dr. Zelenko, you've said uh, a tremendous amount. I've had a religious experiences. I've listened to you talk. Uh, I've fought back tears uh, on some of it. When, when I first spoke to you a month, six weeks ago, I got off the phone and I called Tyler Carden and I was like, man, this guy's got a spirit. He, he's a man of God. And, and we had a brief conversation about Omicron and treatment and what I should do. But I did come away from that, just our brief interaction. That like, wow, this is a man of God. And boy, have you uh, <laughs> confirmed my instincts today. Uh, I don't, you said, <laughs> you said so much that, and much of it I really agree with. Some of it bit over my head because uh, I'm not as versed in the COVID thing, but your narrative on, you know, we have a battle of good versus evil going on. And I keep trying to tell people that, uh, you know, this whole little secular identities that we're leaning into instead of leaning into our faith and taking our identity through our relationship with God is going to destroy this planet. It's going to destroy America. Um, and, and so I try to appeal to people all because we're bickering about things that are so irrelevant. Did, did, did someone misspeak and call me a name that's halfway insulting or what? We're, and I'm like, we're really bickering about that? When, when we're codifying, the thing you said it was so powerful, we're codifying immorality into our laws. You can't speak the gospel truth without being demonized and vilified in this country, and it's going to get worse. And I, I'm right there with you. I think, you know, we named this show Fearless for a purpose. We call ourselves Fearless Soldiers. We're trying to inspire a fearless army and it's people that are willing to lay down their lives for God. And so I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the show and, and, and sharing your perspective. Thank you. And God bless you and God bless America. Thank you. Uh, that's Dr. Uh, Robert Zelenko, and that's why I was looking forward uh, to this interview. Uh, go to youtube.com slash Jason Whitlock. This will be a standalone, so we can go ahead and play tomorrow, uh, and we'll see you tomorrow. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my system, no relation, we all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone, I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back, we are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want freedom. I just want.
upon a 